Hello, and welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. It is me, Dr. Yuande, your host. This episode is going to be a little bit of a heart-to-heart, and I'm going to be speaking specifically to the woman who has reached what others might seem to think is a good place, whether it's in your career, your relationships, or life in general. Maybe you are a lawyer or a doctor. Maybe you are an accountant. Maybe you are a successful business owner and you are doing really well and things look nice and shiny from the outside. But on the inside, you have come to this realization that if this is all there is to life, then this is a big letdown and maybe I don't want to have anything to do with it. So if that is something that resonates, keep listening because I hope this episode will be helpful for you. Stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. I'm really fortunate and really blessed to have in my practice amazing women. And every time I meet with them or if I'm doing an intake or seeing someone new, I'm just always blown away by how amazing these women are. They are women who are ambitious. They are women who are well accomplished. They are women who are brilliant. Many of them are gifted and have been told that they are gifted from when they were young children. And many of them are givers. In fact, they're all givers. And so if some of them are pretty early on in their career trying to find their footing, they're still big givers. So maybe they haven't quite achieved milestones in their careers yet, but they have huge hearts. So I like to call these women givers and achievers because that's exactly who they are. The trouble is that They're in therapy because they're unhappy. And so even though on the outside, they seem to have checked all the boxes one by one, they've gone to school, they have the degree, they have the job, they are in that relationship, they are taking care of their parents, they're taking care of their kids or siblings if they don't have kids yet, these women are terribly unhappy. And the sad thing is that they're like, okay, all my life I've been told that I should go to school and get the degree and get the postgraduate degree and get the job in this organization, the dream organization, and get married to the dream guy or um, have the dream house and have the dream family. Now that I'm here, where is the happiness that I was promised? Where is the sense of fulfillment that I was promised? And I see this time and time and time and time again. And if you know my story, you know that when I worked in the emergency department, I was living a version of this where I would leave work unhappy, in tears, feeling like, okay, <laughs> and not being able to really explain to my friends because people would say, you and they, what do you mean? You save lives for your career every day. That is the most fulfilling job ever. Why aren't you happy? You have a beautiful house. You have all of that. Why aren't you excited about life? You know, 
And I couldn't really explain it because I myself didn't really understand it. So my hope is that by the time I'm done this episode, I'm not promising that all the challenges and will go away and all of a sudden you will be happy and excited. That would be an unrealistic promise. But I'm hoping to plant a seed and get you thinking and reflecting on a few questions that might start you on a journey of self-discovery or on a journey of reinvention or on a journey to find purpose that can serve as an antidote to this listlessness that you're experiencing, to this unhappiness that you're experiencing. One of my patients today described it as feeling like being in water and just allowing the current to take you wherever it goes versus being actively driving the boat and steering the vehicle, right? And so I'm hoping that this episode will plant some seeds. And so let's get started. Um, The first step that I want to offer is, and this is something that I see very regularly is A lot of the women who are unhappy, specifically in their careers or even in their relationships, don't have a strong sense of self-awareness. They actually don't know who they are for themselves. The way they see themselves, the way they regard themselves is often very different from what other people see and oftentimes to their detriment. So someone might look at them and say, you are very articulate and you argue your convictions very well, you should be a lawyer. And then all their lives are kind of groomed into a profession like law. I have about five lawyers in my practice right now. And it's the same story. You know, my mom encouraged me to be a lawyer. A teacher encouraged me to be a lawyer. And on and on it goes. Also very common in physicians as well. You're very smart. You work hard. You're very studious. You should be a doctor. And if you are a child of immigrants, a child of African parents, Indian parents, Asian parents, whatever that might be, you know that our parents' generation, there were really just a handful of professions that you would be encouraged to go into, medicine, law, accounting, maybe engineering, right? Or something along the lines of engineering, architecture, et cetera. And so they kind of pegged you against one of these professions and groom you. And as the good, obedient children that we all were, we would follow that path and follow that trajectory because we were pegged and we were told that that was the way we are and that's the career that we should go into. Uh, For the record, my parents didn't do that to me personally. My dad actually discouraged me from being a doctor. So because they listen to this podcast, I'm just, mommy, daddy, I'm not saying you did this to me. I'm just saying that in general, that's what happens to a lot of people. So thank you for your support. But that's an aside. But a lot of us, and I say us, I mean women like me, have gone through these kinds of situations, right? And so even though that was not my personal experience, it's the experience of many women in my practice. And so one of the first things that I encourage them to do is to discover who they are really, not who society says they are, not who their bosses say they are, not who even their mentors or sponsors say they are, but who are you really? I'm going to say something that might sound like a contradiction, but one of the best ways to actually identify who you are is to ask the people around you, not in a face-to-face conversation, but 
an exercise that I always offer, and I'm sure that I've mentioned this before on the podcast, is sending them a text message or an email and asking them, what am I known for? What are my strengths? What do you come to me for? And don't just ask one person. Don't just ask two. Ask at least 10 people, and maybe you will get five to eight responses. Then look for a theme. Look for a theme. I've mentioned before that when I did this exercise, the common thread was empathy. In fact, I would say 90% of the people actually used the word empathy, and then the other 10% used a word that meant empathy but wasn't exactly that. And so send out a text message, send out an email, and ask these questions. And you have to be very intentional about who you ask. So ask people who know you well, ask people who will be honest with you, but ask people who are kind, not people who have a tendency to be critical or to be negative because that completely defeats the purpose. You're looking for common themes in your strengths and things that you are known for and things that you are good at. That'll give you some sense as to who you are really. Then look back on your life. Go back into the recesses of your memories and think about your childhood when you were five years old, when you were six years old. What were some of the things that you loved to do that came naturally to you? Was it singing? Was it drawing? Were you a doodler? Did you like to draw portraits or flowers or even abstract things? Did you like to create with your words? Did you like to organize people or organize things? What were some of those little quirks about you that you remember? Because those are also clues as to who you are, really. What were the things that you got excited about? that you got angry about, that everyone else seemed to think was strange or seemed to think was weird, that you felt kind of alone sometimes because no one else could see what you were seeing? Was it when a classmate was treated unfairly? Was it when somebody was new to class, you would be the first to go and help them settle in and introduce them to all your friends? I want you to really take time to think back to your primary school days, your elementary school days, and just connect with that younger version of yourself. And what were the things that she was excited about, the things that she did without even being told or asked to do? That will also give you a clue as to who you really are. The next thing that I want you to think about is the ideals that you might need to let go of. This is a hard one because it involves Potentially a grieving process, meaning that you might end up grieving an identity that you have carried for 30, 40, 50 plus years, right? For some of us, it's the identity of being an ER physician or the identity of being a lawyer, right? What are the ideals that you have to get let go of? Maybe you're someone who was expected to be married by now. And for you, the thought of being married... It seems like something you should do, but you're not convinced that it's what you want for yourself. Explore that a little bit. And perhaps that's an ideal that you might need to let go of. And it might require some acceptance. It definitely will require some acceptance. Be patient to yourself with this process. But think about whether it's buying a house, for example, or living in a certain kind of neighborhood or working in a certain kind of firm or certain kind of hospital or in a certain niche in your profession, 
the ideals, the expectations that people had of you and the expectations that you even had of yourself, because that might serve as an anchor, preventing you from sailing into the future, into that beautiful destination that awaits you, that keeps beckoning at you, but you keep ignoring because you're anchored to this ideal. I often like to give the illustration of a trapeze artist in a circus who is performing and part of the acrobatic routine is to advance from one bar to the next, to the next, to the next on a trapeze. If this trapeze artist keeps holding on to the bar behind her, there's no way she's going to advance. There's no way she's going to progress. She literally has to let go of one bar in able to catch the one in front of her and progress and progress and progress that way. So what bar do you need to let go of? What ideal future do you need to let go of? What ideal milestones, goals that you set for yourself that are based on other people's expectations or expectations of yourself that aren't connected to the real version of who you are? This is going to be a tough one. At least in my experience, it's been quite challenging for the women in my practice. And the question is, what are your dreams? What are your dreams? What do you want out of life? You know, a lot of the women I speak to are actually afraid to dream because someone said to me last week, Dr. Yoande, my dreams at this point are laughable. They sound ridiculous because it's like, who do you think you are? Who are you to dream to have these dreams? And so they're afraid. They're afraid to actually verbalize them. Some of them are afraid because they are scared of being disappointed. They are scared of being let down. They are scared of what if I say this thing and it doesn't come to pass, I'm going to feel like a failure yet again. But I want to challenge you. And if you need help with this, find a therapist. You know, I'm always, always going to advocate for therapy. Find a counselor, a trusted friend, someone who can hold space for you and support you and guide you and not rush you or judge you as you start to cultivate this dream, connecting to what you really want for yourself. Not what other people want for you, but what you want out of life. I have a podcast episode. I believe it is episode eight. If I'm not mistaken, I could be. But if you search happy without medicine, writing this letter will change your life. That's the name of the podcast episode, Writing This Letter Will Change Your Life. It's an exercise that takes you to, it kind of transports you to the 80-year-old version of yourself. And that 80-year-old version of yourself, what do you see for her? What do you see her having had accomplished? Where has she gone? Where has she traveled to? What stages has she spoken on? Who has she helped? Who has she supported? You know, what are the things that that 80-year-old has done And then look forward and project into the future and think, what are the things that by the time I'm 80, I want out of life? And this exercise might surprise you. For some of you, it might be very different from the reality that you're living right now. And this can actually be quite jarring and surprising. But I want you to do this if it's something that you haven't done before, because it'll help shape the decisions that you make today. And if you struggle with this, one thing that you can do is think about the different domains of your life, all the different hats you wear. And so if it's really hard to think about this holistically, maybe just focus on 
80 years from now, what would I want my career to have looked like? Or when I'm 80, what would I want my family to look like? When I'm 80, what would I want my spiritual life to look like? And so break down your life into those different sections, your career, your health, your family, your faith, for your business, if you have one, your finances, your all of that, break it down. Most of us will probably have about eight to 10 different domains of our life um, and focus on one area and just think about that area, then move on to the next. Think about that area in the context of your 80-year-old self and just see what it is that you actually do want out of life. And then finally, another thing that I want you to think about is what are you telling yourself? What are you telling yourself that is stopping you from living the life that ultimately is going to bring that fulfillment and happiness? What are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself that you are not worth having a life that's happy? Are you asking yourself, who do you think you are to even dream these kinds of dreams? Where do you get the audacity? Where do you get the even, where do you come off? Thinking that you can live a life that this ha- that is this happy, that is this light, that is this joyful, right? Those thoughts are self-critical thoughts. They are self-sabotaging thoughts. And many times they are actually lies because when we do the work of challenging them and asking them, how do you know I'm not worthy of this dream? We challenge those thoughts, but what is the proof that I don't have what it takes to do this? You start to see those thoughts breaking down because many times they're actually not true. At the end of the day, one thing that I'm coming to realize is that having a life worth living isn't in the big dramatic things that society tries to convince us that we're supposed to have, whether it's the cars, whether it's the marriage, whether it's career, the accolades and all of that. Having a life worth living comes down to the little things, finding purpose and meaning in the little things and finding purpose and meaning outside of ourselves. Lately, I'm coming to realize that being a problem solver and not necessarily on a global scale or a national scale or the scale of a community, but being a problem solver and being a solution provider in the life of another person in a way that feels fulfilling to you and meaningful to you can be such a huge antidote for depression, can be a huge antidote for maybe not necessarily a major depressive disorder necessarily, but just being in a state of, you know, being the state of apathy or a state of dissatisfaction, finding where you were designed to provide a solution, where you were created to be a problem solver, that sense of purpose can be so powerful in compelling you to get up again and be excited about the life that you're waking up to. And so I really hope that you found this, I really hope that you found the questions thought-provoking. Like I say, the purpose of this episode isn't necessarily to all of a sudden fix the challenges that you're experiencing, but to give you some tools that you can go back to and reflect on and work through that will serve as stepping stones to take you from where you are to where you want to be as far as a beautiful, meaningful, happy life. 
All right. Until next time, remember, I'm here always fiercely advocating for your success and your happiness. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuan Di, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.